0: No, I never saw this coming. I mean, growing up, I think my dad proposed to me four or five times over a number <laughs> of years. Hey, Mark, you want, might want to consider a priest one day. Just like a gentle offering. My reaction was like, get out of here, dad. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. Maybe it's a little hyperbole there, but you know, I was total. like, no way, I could never be a priest. you know. And so he saw something and Eventually telling him, hey, I'm, I'm on this journey now, and you know, he was quite taken aback. And it wasn't until I was in the seminary, you know, it, was, it took me 28 years to finally start listening a little bit. It's a struggle even now, <laughs> just to start listening and then journeying through the seminary and saying, yeah, I, I'm called to this. I'm actually called to this.
1: Welcome to a Pondering Heart podcast. We're two friends learning and growing together in our Catholic faith. We'll talk about the triumphs and struggles that we face on our journey. And then we'll dive even
2: deeper. My name is Emi Moro And I'm Rachel Wong. Let's ponder out loud together.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of A Pondering Heart podcast. I'm Rachel, and as always, I'm joined with my co host, Emmy. Hello. Hi,
2: Rachel. How are you?
1: I am very excited, as you can (laughs)
2: probably tell. How are you?
1: I'm also very (laughs) excited. (laughs) Great. Well, the sun is shining where Mm -hmm. I am. And I think it's so apt just because we're joined by one of my favorite priests in the Archdiocese. And I'm not just saying this because he's here with us. Oh my God. (laughs) But truly, like, I feel like every time I see you, Father, like you are a real ray of sunshine. So we're so blessed to have you in the Archdiocese. We're joined by Father Mark McGuckin. Hi, Father.
0: Hey, everyone. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Emmy. Good to be with you.
1: How are you today?
0: Doing well. You know, we're in the midst of this crazy pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For all those listeners of this podcast who are listening this in the year twenty thirty. <laughs> this is currently twenty twenty one in a global pandemic. Many of your listeners have probably lived this, so <laughs> for those who haven't, it's the real deal. Like right? right. it's pretty intense and it's like one foot ahead of the other. And we said right before this podcast, you know, we just gotta keep praying and laughing. Mm -hmm. We've got to keep some levity in these dire moments, you know, to keep moving forward. So all things considered, yeah, doing well.
1: Yeah. And I anticipate that we'll be doing a lot of both of that. Um, So father, maybe just before we get going into like the real heart of our conversation today, I was wondering if you could, maybe introduce yourself to our listeners for those who may not know you or who may not have the pleasure of being in this archdiocese. I am incredibly biased, as you can tell, but I'll let you share a little bit of yourself.
0: Sure, yeah. yeah my name is Father Mark McGuckin, and I was ordained a priest of the Archdiocese of Vancouver back on May fourteenth, 2016. So yeah, I just celebrated my fifth year anniversary myself, along with Father Lucio Choi, my good friend, ordained on the same day, and, and currently I'm the pastor at St. Joseph's in Port Moody in the Tri-Cities here, and before becoming pastor last August, I was assistant pastor St. Mary's in Chilliwack for two years, and before that, assistant pastor at St. Paul's in Richmond, and yeah, I went through the seminary journey throughout the kind of 2010s, and before entering the seminary, I was working in the film and TV industry in Vancouver as a writer, actor, producer, and yeah, as God would have it, you know, it was a, a different um, path to uh, start walking down uh, in my, my late twenties. I had a reawakening to the faith and when I was 28 and um, and it led to a real serious discernment to the priesthood and uh, the rest is kind of history. Yeah, so briefly, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my story.
1: Amazing. Yeah, and and certainly we're going to dive in a little deeper to Mm -hmm. your story, but thank you for that precursor. But I'm going to let Emmy introduce our icebreaker and kick us off here. Oh gosh.
2: (laughs) So to just get to know you a little bit more, as we will in this podcast, in this episode today, uh, we wanted to kick it off with a bit of an icebreaker. So it's a little bit of a rapid fire. So we'll ask you a few questions and then just say whatever the first thing comes to mind. No, it's nothing too deep but we'll get there not yet
0: <laughs> sounds great sounds great we'll i am in. Okay. i'm in this
2: okay so father um what is your favorite meal
0: oh that's that's a tough one i it's hard for me to discriminate when <laughs> it comes to food like bring it on mm. i am partial to um wild salmon sashimi i don't want to be too picky but it's oh. just like it's up there oh That's fancy. Standalone food. Yeah,
2: really fancy.
0: Oh my goodness. Mm. The Japanese know what they're doing. Very true. I fully endorse their food and foods of all cultures, but I mean that's that's (laughs) that's something special. Salmon sashimi is yeah.
1: Nice, nice, beautiful. All right, favorite movie.
0: Oh, there are many in different kind of genres. Mm. If I had to pick a favorite um, comedy. One of my all-time favorites is the original Ghostbusters, Bill Murray okay. and company. I'm a big Bill Murray fan. Mm-hmm. I've seen it growing up with friends, watching that and dressing up on Halloween as, as Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
2: totally didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, okay, so next question. Favorite childhood memory?
0: I would say friends growing mm-hmm. up. I think of like, you know, we're nearing the end of school year and summertime and just a lot of just summertime hangouts with with friends and growing up with those folks. I grew up in Maple Ridge. Oh. And so, um, yeah, public school friends, elementary school, high school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of mixed memories there, but just good friendships.
1: Okay. Favorite saint?
0: Oh, wow. We
1: didn't make these I mean, ones easy. <laughs>
0: My confirmation saint is um, uh, St John the Baptist. Ooh. And um, yeah, over the years gotten to appreciate uh, his role in my life and delving into those especially around the beginning of the Advent season where it's heavily kind of around Saint. John the precursor, you know, this the wild man in the wilderness, snacking on wild honey and locusts, the, the kind of rugged wild man voice in the wilderness. In the humility of, you know, I must decrease, he must increase, and so Saint John he's he's up there for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice. In that same realm, what is your favorite spiritual book?
0: Oh, I, I love well, there are many, but searching for and maintaining peace yes. by Father Jacques relief Good is um, I mean just as small, thin, but man, packed. I mean, just packed. I see Emmy virgin- looking for oh, it. You got There it.
1: she is. Ah, there you go. Hey.
0: Practically a librarian. Awesome. I don't have it at arm's reach, but that's pretty I- props to you. That's great. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. So just on books, but maybe slightly different. Mm-hmm. Favorite story from the Gospels?
0: Wow. There's so many. I have um, well, downstairs in our living room here, I have a Portrait of a depiction from Jesus walking on the water mm. and Peter sinking, feeling the wind, mm-hmm. Peter having walked on the water and this beautiful lesson in discipleship there and trust to refreshing our trust in the Lord. And, and this gentle kind of humorous quality to Jesus in that moment of coming to the rescue, but also just um, teaching this future for both of the church, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ways of faith. I feel strongly just the journey of uh, Simon Peter throughout the gospels, which is just so human and just so relatable. Mm-hmm. I find those particular passages so pronounced and life-giving and that's just one that, you know, comes to mind
3: mm-hmm. right
0: at this moment. Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
2: Yeah. yeah. So our last icebreaker question, I think you like this one, Father. Um, what is your favorite part of being a priest?
0: Well, There's so many aspects to Mm -hmm. just the life of a priest. And I think just in general, it's fathering. Mm -hmm. The title father, I mean, once you're ordained a priest, it's it's quickly growing into that role. And there's so much you learn about in the seminary about what it means to be a priest and theology and all different delving into the different doctrines of the church in great detail. And then... Since you're Dane and you're living it, and and you're journeying with people, mm-hmm. sharing highlights and lowlights, and accompanying, the best word to distill it is is in father, is in fathering, and so the many branches that um, stream from that word father, and then back to it, mm-hmm. it's my favorite part of priesthood. It encompasses everything. But, you know, if some people can just see the life of a priest and boil it down to administrator or person who does liturgy <laughs> or a person who counsels. But really, it's the, the life of it is um, the fatherhood of, of an inclusive love for the people. And so um, I keep coming back to that title. And I know many of Protestant evangelical brothers and sisters are really uncomfortable with that title. And I, I do respect that if I'm in dialogue. I mean, I'm fine if you call me Mark or Reverend, that's okay. But to help people see the reality of the priesthood linked with that familial title of father, I think is so, so important and gives us a glimpse to the person of Jesus and what he has instituted, and the gift of the church that these that he has priests of his to, to operate in this ministerial capacity. And so yeah, I know it's rapid fire questions. That was, <laughs> answer there, but,
1: yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I think like that's such a it's such a profound way to to mm-hmm. transition. I think. Yeah. So again, thank you, just to to echo Emmy's words there. Thank you for the thoughtfulness I think that came with that. But just on that, like the the beautiful heart of a father and what it means to be a priest, you mentioned in your intro that perhaps like that wasn't your original plan, but I'm not going to spoil too much. And perhaps like I'll let you share the story of, you know, how you came into this vocation as a father, as a priest.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just grew up in Maple Ridge and my family, my dad's kind of the Catholic rock of the family, and, and, and to my extended family, too. My mother is not religious, but respected. My dad, loved my dad, and, and um, consented to him raising me and my sister in the faith. And it was, yeah, his influence chiefly around um, around things religious and the deep questions of life that mm-hmm. over time, Really impacted me. Mm -hmm. But when I was growing up, it was, um, you know, the routine of going to church and going to prep class on Tuesday nights. And I remember being in my confirmation year and really looking forward to the sacrament of confirmation Mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to do prep anymore on Tuesday nights. I could have my (laughs) Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, there was like must see TV on Tuesday nights, you know, priority. This programming that I couldn't miss. And could hang out with friends and stuff. And so it was um, a sense of just having to get through this thing. of just kind of going through the motions. But it was something that was cultivating inside of me of a bunch of things. I think there was a lot of it was just the childhood and just me, myself, and I. And hey, it's my life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to carve out a career the way I see fit. I'm going to walk to the beat of my own drum. A lot of that. It started in high school and then just was accentuated, and then university and beyond. Um, and but the faith, it never, it had a, always a, a, a depth to just my life. Um, I knew there was something very profound there. But I was comfortable just wandering for a long time. And and so when I was going through high school, Maple Ridge Secondary, a keen interest in athletics and. And drama and creative writing, and that continued when I was went to UBC, getting into drama and creative writing, and then into the film program, as well as doing improvised uh, theater. I loved it, but I remember taking my first, you know, just cinematography and editing class, of so just falling in love with it in it like an obsessive way. Mm. And for me, it was a part of it was just escaping into this art form where it could help mask the big questions that had gone unanswered in that life, and so kind of launching myself in there I could exercise my creative skills around like-minded people artistic people and having a good time and creating and then partying and that led to after university working in the film and tv industry in Vancouver as a cameraman as editor and then actor and producer wow and yeah, it just seemed like it was just it never stopped. It was living life in the fast lane mm. and it was just go, go, go for a long time. And during that time of my life, basically from the early 2000s to you know 2009, it would be you know attending mass here and there, certainly when I was in Vancouver where I was living before traveling with the film crew, mainly because, my dad would usually call on a Monday to see if I went to mass on the Sunday. And,
3: oh.
0: <laughs> and I didn't want to lie to him. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, yeah, so yeah I, I went. But it was really clocking in, clocking out. And none of my friends, close friends were religious. They were just living in the, the art scene in Vancouver. And so I was kind of living this double life. Some of my very close friends knew that I was Catholic. Most didn't. I, I didn't know how to share very bashful about my faith. And if conversations of deep moral questions or um, religion in general, I would often find a way to deflect or mm. talk about something else. Mm. And then there was another part of me, okay, I'll go to mass, you know, in a clandestine way, you know, <laughs> put on a fake mustache and just walk <laughs> the streets of Main Street as I go down to St. Patrick's. Now it wasn't to that extent, but... <laughs> I'd wake up early Sunday morning to go to the early morning mass because friends would still be kind of hungover and still asleep. And (laughs) I don't know. So it was a lot of that and and feeling um, this uh, great disharmony Mm. in my heart, divided heart. And so we finished up our big production in 2008 and then fulfilling our contractual obligations on the show afterwards and putting out a DVD. And it became kind of life in the fast lane that just slowed down a bit. It went from fifth gear for three years down to maybe third gear. And at that time had uh, just time to decompress and think about, you know, what am I doing with my career? You know, what do we just do? And it was creatively fulfilling to a point, but a sense of emptiness just in my professional life, thinking, okay, what, okay we're going to come up with another show and produce that. And then do I feel like this again, working all these crazy hours? And then what's this all about? Is it just about the bank account? And what, why am I doing it? And then it was just in the deeper questions, just like, what is life about? Mm-hmm. Is there truly a God? Does God exist? What about these other religions out there? And if God does exist, and let's say sacred scripture is truly divine revelation. If I, if that's verifiable, what does that mean for me? More so than career, just lifestyle, just well, where am I headed? And so this was in 2009, going through this existential, <laughs> just I was living in an apartment, Broadway and Fraser, mm. wrapping up the show I was working on and then doing live comedy still on the weekends and And then um, going through this uh, time of, as I describe it, uh, my first earnest attempt to dig into the the big questions. And there was that intellectual pursuit, uh, digging into philosophy and religious studies and other religions. And part of me wanted to repel away from my Catholic roots because it would be very convenient not to deal with this moral accountability thing but i couldn't repel away too far there was something always pulling me mm-hmm. back a, a big piece was sacred scripture but things online and this was then father robert Barron, just just beginning with with uh, movie reviews and think who is this priest from chicago then it's like what and these other influences online and, and then learning about the history behind like the image of our lady of guadalupe and thinking okay something is just not easily discountable there's something here and i don't want to reject this mm-hmm. There's something beautiful and profound and so at the intellectual level there was just this hunger for more
3: mm-hmm.
0: what was most convicting for me was at at the heart level And it was uh, just a yearning for relationship to be received. And even if I was around just many friends, people have still felt this kind of longing for something more to be fulfilled. And so that was as started the informal, very personal prayer, just speaking as I just express expressions from the heart, just raised heavenward. And I just started kind of a a routine of that, usually at night before going to bed, just saying. And sometimes it was just like the image of just pounding on a door, Mm. you know, knock and the door will be answered. And it was. I felt my fists were pounding on the door, demanding, Lord, just show up.
3: Mm. If
0: you are truly here, if you are who you say you are, just show up. And so it was this truly at the depth of my heart, Let's cry to heaven. And then it was, uh, it was August of 2009 where I had a real, real reawakening to the faith. I remember I had just finished a big sketch comedy show at the Biltmore, mm-hmm. if you know, right on Kingsway and Main Street there in 12 <laughs> with friends of mine. And I remember being on stage, a good friend of mine, and we had this sketch that we'd been working on that had a great response and I remember even in the midst of performing it, I felt like I can't, I, I don't feel hungry to do this anymore. Wow. And maybe I'm just going through a,
3: maybe
0: mm. it, it was just a, that night. I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember waking up the next day and, and thinking something is radically changing and I don't know what this is about. And then there was a week that went by I describe it just a flooding in of the grace of God. Wow. It was all of these emotions in, in one. It was euphoric and extremely frightening and confusing. And out of my control, I didn't know how to process this. And it was a, a defining mark of that experience is that it, it just was prolonged. It wasn't one day. It was a full week, even more so.
3: Mm.
0: And uh, so what I did, I I literally locked myself in my apartment, and um, I was just praying and sometimes waking up, tears, drawing into prayer, and then other times just settling back into kind of normalcy, delving into scripture, and then just making some food just in my apartment and wasn't really answering any kind of phone calls And then I remember waking up, it was a Friday morning uh, in August. And I describe it as kind of like you wake up in the morning and you're hungry and you just put on slippers, head downstairs, you get a piece of toast, whatever. You don't calculate those moves. It's just, I'm hungry. Okay, I'm going to the kitchen. For me, it it was a similar sensation. I woke up and I felt, oh yeah, I gotta go to daily mass today.
3: Mm.
0: I had never thought this ever before. I mean, mm. at the time, Sunday was bad enough, you know, <laughs> getting through the Sunday Mass. I've never willingly gone to a weekday mass. I know there was such a thing. So I remember going, getting in my truck and driving to St. Pat's in Vancouver. Father Vincent Hawkswell was a pastor at the time, and and then just going. And it was basically me and many Filipino women at St. Pat's daily mass. (laughs) Yeah. Raise the roof. Totally. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Totally. And so I go in there and I'm like, there's me who's looking at the time, like stone cold, Steve Austin, beard, mustache, totally shaved head. (laughs) And just like, I got to be here. I just felt I'm here. And uh, feeling at that mass in particular, really nourished by being at mass. And I felt right after, I was like, that's cool. That, this was cool coming here. And I felt, I'm going to do this tomorrow on Saturday. Wow. And that started going to mass every day. I just felt, okay, at least this gets me out of the apartment. And uh, I remember after that mass that one day, Sister Rhonda, if you remember Sister Rhonda, who was at St. Pat's for a while, came up to me. Who's this religious sister coming up to me? She, she's like, oh, you must be a seminarian. I'm like, no, you don't know me. No, I'm not.
1: <laughs> Prophecy. Yeah. And,
0: um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I would see her and Father Vince. And then after a while, uh, it was just that routine. And then just being in my apartment, just trying to process finally, I forget what day it was, I was like, I, I need to talk to human beings about what I'm going through. And I need just to really take this seriously mm-hmm. of what I was just going through and just to to just to recount this process. So I started talking to very close friends of mine, most not religious, just saying, hey, I know you you love me as a friend. And I just want to share with you what I just experienced. And part of the conversation was, take me off your Rolodex because <laughs> I need some time to figure things out. Uh, another part of me was just like, hey, I'm drawn to share. Like, you know, I'm not a religious wacko. I just kind of experienced this. And I know you're not religious, but you're my friend. And very deep conversations with, with those friends of mine who I, I went to coffee with or had a lunch with and just explained and then eventually going to St. Patrick's to talk to Father Vince about this and he graciously had a whole hour for me and I'm sharing what I'm sharing with you now and he's just listening intently and by the end of it he said well this is great Mark um, but you know why are you talking to me and not the vocations director
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: in the moment at the time I'm 28 in the moment of like father Vincent, I don't know what that word means. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm sure I heard it before, but I don't know that, you know, the workings of the archdiocese of Vancouver and priests are in certain roles. So so anyways, after you said that, like, yeah, maybe I, I do got to talk to this person.
1: What's going through my head right now is that, you know, like you said, you had these conversations with your colleagues, your friends. You were telling folks to to take you off the list, so to speak, so that you maybe wouldn't get called because you had all these things that you need to work through. You were talking yeah. to people who weren't necessarily Catholic or even religious about such deeply personal and intimate things. And all I'm thinking is that, you know, there are so many people who – Have a story like yours. They feel drawn to share everything that's going on and share the goodness. But sometimes, like, they just kind of, I shouldn't say just stop there, but not all of them are called to religious vocations. Not all of them are called to being priests. So I I think that that's kind of where you're going with this. But I just wanted to, you know, for our listeners, kind of like, if that's something that you're hearing too, we're just like, wait a second. (laughs) I find it to be really incredible that not only did God draw you out of yourself, to really come into a deeper fullness of, you know, who he is meant for you to be. But that was really the turning point to help you to, first off, ask the questions, talk to the right people, uh, like you were saying. And then, yes, you learn this word, vocation.
0: Yeah, something else. I didn't know in the moment that, yeah, for sure, the priesthood, there's an inkling there, an inkling to to serve, certainly serve God and instead of serving myself, which I felt I had been doing for, I don't know how many years. And I thought, yeah, the possibility is to still work in the film and TV industry, but just to take a break, a serious break for a year or something just to discern. And so after talking with Father Hien, the vocations director at the time, and at the time I'm just, I'm I'm riding on this wave of euphoria and I felt like, hey, I could just jump into the seminary now. And this is August we're talking about. And it's quite a, it's quite a process to, to a get into the seminary. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, Father, he in September is like two weeks away. <laughs> just throw me in there. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> and he's just like nodding, looking at me. And he's like, hold on, like in a very gentle way. <laughs> okay hold your horses Uh and then he was like the wheels are turning in his head it's like where can i put this guy (laughs) and uh and then he said well he asked me have i ever heard of a place called madonna house and i said father i've heard of nothing like you (laughs) tell (laughs) me. i'm new to all this again Mm -hmm. and he's like well there's a they have a group of women in Carisdale across the street from John the Apostle Church. And there's their mother houses in Cumbermere, Ontario. And they have a formation program for men discerning the priesthood. And uh, that was kind of the only option. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, Ontario, that's not Vancouver. That sounds like a good idea because I just wanted to get away, just unplug from the urban environment that I was just in so long and um so i met with the women at uh, madonna house they told me about the program and and it was about four weeks where i had to get up there because the program was starting at thanksgiving Uh, talking to friends getting rid of my apartment storing my stuff at my sister's place or my parents place Uh and applying for this madonna house thing and then just going and just going and uh kind of embarking on that adventure.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I was there for six months, uh, and uh, it was incredibly influential, that journey there before the seminary, and uh, the priests there at Madonna House and the laymen and women and the guests there, really just living the, the Christian life of community, of prayer, of really hard work. Yeah, maybe it's a whole other podcast just that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it happened quickly. It was just like, I felt that, yeah, I'm in God's time and things will work out and let's just go. Let's just do it. That piece of, of, of adventure and, and kind of diving in the deep end in the external adventure as well as the interior and the mystical adventure of getting to know the God who loves me and getting to know him to how he sees me kind of dual adventures on a parallel track that I think sum up the Christian pilgrim journey. And whether you're a layman or woman, religious or priest discernment, there's a common denominator there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, then September of 2010, that was my first year at the seminary of Christ the King. And so it took the full six months at Madonna House to really have a sense of, yeah, I think it's the priesthood. Going there, I think i'm think I'm being drawn here. I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but I think I'm being drawn here, and i I can't live with myself if I didn't give seminary a shot at least it would always haunt me if I didn't give it a shot, and the rest was history going there, and then feeling after three months, especially feeling at home at peace, and that feeling just snowballing year after year, yeah. So, so a wild kind of a wild ride.
1: Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also just thinking too, like you mentioned that you really love Ghostbusters and how it would just haunt you for the rest of your life if you didn't go. <laughs>
0: oh man, so so many Ghostbuster imagery here. Wow. You know.
1: Yeah, but that's just incredible. And mm-hmm. and I think like the one thing that perhaps maybe a lot of listeners may then ask. You had a pretty set career. You know, you you had studied film, like you mentioned, you had really fallen in love with all of this work that you were doing, like the creative outlet and just being able to, I guess if I could say, like lose yourself in this art form. And you were participating and just engaging in so many different ways. So then to kind of have that 180, and certainly over time, but like a 180 where You know, like you said, at one point, maybe you thought it was just a year break away from the industry, but this was literally God asking you to walk away from it to pursue Mm -hmm. something entirely different, almost, yeah, like an entirely different starring role, if I could use that metaphor. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I think maybe like for listeners, just like, at what point did it become clear that not only... Did you know that like, okay, I have to go pursue this like seminary thing just to make sure that I'm not going to be haunted for the rest of my life. But also like just that feeling of like letting go of something that you have worked so hard for, like you've put so much time and energy and effort and money into to leave that all behind and follow him into this new adventure. What was that like?
0: Yeah, there were certain areas of we get attracted to comforts, creature comforts, whether it be at home or a career. And it's hard to release from that. I mean, they're just, they can become a part of us and to really hold us down in unhealthy ways. And the examples are infinite. But yeah, for me, it was just this pursuit of something I couldn't ignore. It was a pursuit of intellectual truth, but of a a relational truth at the heart level that i just wanted to keep moving for at deeper levels or conversely higher plateaus and just to keep going i remember it was after my first semester at the seminary we had two weeks off for christmas and after after new year's just like regular school year you're back on campus and i remember coming back to start the second semester in my academic year prior to that time, I just wanted the New Year's Eve party to continue. I didn't want it to end. I didn't want to go back to school. This was the first time I just wanted to get back up there, up to the Abbey, mm-hmm. to that rule of life, that rhythm of life and the studies and the yeah. community. And that was, you know, you speak of those little confirming signs. That was a big one for me, getting back up there and feeling like, yeah, I belong here. There's something more than I can rationally compute of why I'm here that's good. It's good to be here. And then it would be just, it would go against everything if I were to step away from that. And it was just a joy then. And without, I mean, certainly sacrifices throughout and feeling that the shadow of the cross that looms throughout any rigorous journey of discernment but just a beauty and a goodness and so many blessings and so many great formators there at the Abbey that really uh, challenged me and affirmed me, encouraged me and so many memories around those good men and women of our diocese. And uh, yeah, that just led throughout six years up there. And then uh, first being ordained a deacon and then, then a priest.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Something that just came to me while you were talking, Father, like earlier when we were asking you about your favorite gospel story, it just really came to me how it kind of felt like you were walking, like Peter, you were walking towards unknown charters, like what you were saying during your story, like there were some things that you never even heard about, yet you were allowing yourself to walk towards Jesus and to trust him. I don't know if you fell like Peter (laughs) in that gospel story, but I could sincerely like really feel you want to really pursue him in that way, in the same way that he's pursuing you. I guess maybe a question that our listeners may have and something that I have, um, was it difficult letting go of all these things that you had before and seeing, like, especially now, like on the other side, what is it like to kind of look back? Like, um, would you have ever seen this coming back then too?
0: Yeah, great questions. No, I never saw this coming. I mean, growing up, I think my dad proposed to me four or five times over a number <laughs> of years. Hey, Mark, you might want to consider a priest one day. Just like a gentle offering. My reaction was like, get out of here, dad. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. Maybe it's a little hyperbole there, but you know, I was total like, no way, I could never be a priest. you know. And so he saw something and Eventually telling him, hey, I'm I'm on this journey now. And you know, he was quite taken aback. And it wasn't until I was in the seminary, you know, it, was, it took me 28 years to finally start listening a little bit. It's a struggle even now, <laughs> just to start listening. And then journeying through the seminary and saying, Yeah, I, I'm called to this. I'm actually called to this. And then retroactively looking back in the past and saying, Yeah, this didn't come out of nowhere. It, it, not like it just sprung up when I was 28, even though that was a profound experience I went through. But the signs were there from the beginning. I could see it. As I tell high school students all the time, I have that you know healthy regret and looking back to say, if I could have done mm-hmm. things differently, if I could have started listening mm-hmm. at an earlier age, oh man, I wish I, I wish I had. And I have many friends like Father Juan Luca and these priests who ordained quite young, and they even felt very early on in their life a real mm-hmm. draw and this this sense of yeah, I'm really called to this. So I, I I find just kind of a maybe in a holy envy of those in that position because mm-hmm. yeah, it was there. We, our Lord knows our vocation before we're conceived, and I just. I waited so long to start trying to discover, you know, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's that, it's that adventure, the adventure that our Lord has us on and that the relearning that lesson as St. Peter did of refreshing our trust in him Mm -hmm. to walk with him, but it's, yeah, what a journey.
2: Yeah, for sure. Father, something that uh, I'd really like to ask you, is what would you say for those who are probably going through something that you were going through when you were 28, um, when God is calling them to something that's a little radically different than they've ever expected, what advice would you give them?
0: Yeah, there's many ways we can approach it depending on the person and where they're Mm -hmm. at. And so there can be the drama of life that we know. It can be frustrating. It can be exhilarating. It can be heartbreaking. But one thing it's not, is boring.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's just, it's the drama of life. And oftentimes it's tempting to want to discover all the clear answers yesterday and just know the path. But it wouldn't be, life wouldn't be interesting. It would be terribly boring. And so here we are, we're co authors of this life that we've been given. God is the main author, and we get to write this story with Him. And He knows the major plot points already and he doesn't inhibit our free will and he's inviting us to just collaborate here part of it is just to say where is the adventure where is it what is lying deep within me and yeah i'm a little afraid i'm a little scared and it's also exciting Mm -hmm. and sometimes it might be looking on a map and saying i'm going to put a pin on this map and i'm going to go there on my own or with a friend and discover this part of the world I've never been. Or it could be, hey, I'm going to stay locally, but engage in this volunteer work or get to know someone at the seminary or religious sister to do a prolonged kind of live-in thing with them. And it's getting out of that comfort zone willingly, taking those risks, And sometimes those big sacrifices, especially when their external pressures can be very high with maybe parents who have a clear vision for Mm -hmm. a future that they want for us, worldly prosperity, to say no to that is anything but easy. But to take it to prayer and to have a burning desire kind of grow within us that when we speak to others, it'll communicate to them that this is something very serious and very good. Mm -hmm. And to go against this would be truly going against something that God wants. And we just start walking, you know, to accompany those around us to rely on our sources of support Mm -hmm. and just to engage in the adventure and to know that God will fulfill us Mm -hmm. every way. And looking back on my own journey, thinking, You know, there's this moment for sure throughout seminary thinking, oh, I could be working on a a show right now. I could be down in L.A. or New York working on some big production or something. For me, it's those thoughts become less and less when you're just walking that path. And so knowing that God will catch us every time, not sometimes, but every time and reveal to us what we're made for. And it's just this, Mm -hmm. it's nothing better.
1: Yeah. And it's funny too. I was just thinking about how you just said there, you know, it took you 28 years to start listening. I think what's so beautiful is, you know, again, to bring it back to that gospel story that Emmy had mentioned and you had mentioned earlier, despite the fact that we don't listen or we don't listen perfectly or well all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't rebuke us in a negative or harsh way you know he's constantly inviting us and i think every time i hear you speak father i think you mention the word adventure quite a bit and i think that it's so true mm-hmm. you know given your own journey and just like the the real yeah life with christ is a great adventure as as john paul ii said and it's it really is true so i just want to thank you for sharing your time today sharing your story today and maybe just as we wrap up maybe like any closing thoughts or final encouragement for folks who are listening
0: well, you know, this life that he's given us, we only get one of them. We only get one. And we can picture ourselves maybe 60, 70, 80 years from now, looking back. And do we want to be in a position saying, you know, I could have done this. Or I should have done that. And to say, why not now? Why not this moment with God? hmm Write this story and in some way. It all, it's always colored with adventure and with the shadow of the cross. There is the sacrifice element in there, not as punishment or torture, but as an avenue to love and to be loved, to give of ourselves, to take those risks. You know, maybe it's going on a, on a real pilgrimage, a physical external pilgrimage, or maybe it's engaging even deeper in our time of prayer where we find ourselves in a you know in a little sanctuary in our own home but to take that risk and not not to settle cs lewis had that famous line of talking about settling and how tempting it is mm-hmm. to settle mm, and he says yeah. it's so comfortable and easy to settle for the back alleys and the dumpsters oh. and the garbage mm. the bland basically but we're made for he writes is a holiday by the sea the colors yeah. but we got to actively move our feet trust in our lord to walk with the good shepherd and just to delight we have full permission to delight in the journey so just a few words there
2: so good delight in the journey i'm going to take that with me <laughs> praise god And as we wrap up our conversation, as you know, Father, we'd like to ask each other our favorite question. It's my favorite part, apart from the main gritty of our conversation. (laughs) So what's on your heart? Rachel, do you want to start? Sure.
1: So I went out for a walk just before we had this conversation. And this is going to be really random. But Father, I don't know about where you are here in the Lower Mainland or for yourself, Emmy. There's been this weird pollen that's been flying around and it looks like snow. So it's like, yeah, it's very Uh, fluffy and it'll kind of like fill out on the grass and whatnot. But I was just, (laughs) I was standing because there's a pond not too far away from our place here. And it was flying everywhere and I just could not help but feel captivated at... Just like the absurdity of it. Like, you know, here we are almost at June. So yeah, you know, kind of peak summer here in, in BC, almost sort of. And yet it's, it's just this weird thing that looks like snow and, and kind of feeling very, I can't really explain it, but I think it was just mm-hmm. a real deep, yeah, loving from the father, I would say. And it was just something as strange as weird pollen flying through the sky kind of odd but but yeah like it was just yeah there was something captivating about it so i'm gonna sit with that and just yeah wonder why it was so captivating for me but also it just like wreaked havoc on my allergies so oh no so anyway that's that (laughs) um emmy what about you what's on your heart
2: it's actually really funny that you mentioned nature because mine is something along the same lines so what's on my heart this week is God's love language and more specifically the love language that he and I have towards Mm. each other because I feel like the Lord has been romancing me in either grand gestures or in the little subtle details like what you were saying earlier Rachel with the pollen for me it was a few days ago um, I was at a park really early in the morning and it was really beautiful because I was just there at this park one of my favorite childhood parks that I would go to and there was just Stillness, and there was low tide in the water, and I could just sit there forever, just staring. And I just felt this like indescribable sense of peace in knowing that whatever I'm going through, whatever the rest of the day has in store for me, this is enough. And in the same way, I can really feel that God is present. Hmm. And you know, like it really takes just a lot of self reflection and be able to be sensitive and receptive to how the Lord speaks to you. So I'm very thankful for those grand and little gestures because God is always speaking to us. It's just a matter of actually listening to him and being receptive to that. But yeah. How about you, Father? What's on your heart?
0: Beautiful reflections. Wow, those are both amazing. <laughs> you know, I'll share with you something that happened today. I had a, earlier on today a funeral and then a, a burial at a local cemetery. And um, and we have... Um, unrelated to those events. We had a uh, a family, a large family in our, our parish who is in full on lockdown, quarantine. A couple of the kids had COVID and then the oh, whole family they're doing okay mm-hmm. but just really locked down. And so I felt I gotta find a way to stop by and do something. And I I had been putting it off for a while and on the way back from the cemetery I'm like, I felt this overwhelming call to, I gotta pick something up, and this is not me saying, "Oh, hey, check out what I did." But I was like, I felt okay. I gotta because it's a big, big family. Just a couple donuts won't do. Mm. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta buy a large quantity of ten bits from Tim Hortons. For those outside of Canada, it's a <laughs> it's a delicacy <laughs> here, delicacy in Canada. <laughs> it's nice. the the mini donuts. And uh, so I'm like, okay, this is it. I felt the number 100. So I was like, I got to buy 100 of these. And I just got to find their place because I hadn't been to their place. So I'm fairly, again, fairly new to Port Moody.
3: Mm-hmm. It
0: took me a while to find find where they live. And anyway, we had to keep a distance <laughs> for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But oh man, it just was so cool seeing the kids and their, their eyes lighting up. And it's just um, a little levity to their day and I don't know. It was just, just seeing their reactions made my day, and all those little things that we can do just to brighten someone's day, and the prayers that are ongoing. But um, going through these, you know, difficult times, layers of adversity, but these moments of delight and joy, and God's little summons to do little crazy things like buy <laughs> timbits in <laughs> mass quantities. <laughs> So anyway, any non-Canadian listeners, this is a free advertisement for Tim Hortons. When you come to Canada, enjoy our delectable mm. desserts mm. that oh. maybe aren't the most nutritious things in the world, but have a place that we should enjoy from time That's to fair. time. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I'm so glad that you gave that uh, that explainer, just because I do know we have a couple friends who do listen mm. uh, outside of Canada. So oh, a big shout okay. out to them. Mm. And... Yeah, Father, thank you so much for just being a source of joy in our day today, for sharing your story, being so vulnerable with mm. us and our listeners. And ultimately like the wisdom and I-, I think the the one thing that's been coming up for me throughout this conversation. Emmy and I a couple episodes back did a an episode on Saint Joseph. We're kind of going through Patris Corday so with the Father's heart. And that's really what I see in you, Father. So thank you for your yes to this vocation, for being a spiritual father to so many mm-hmm. like us and, and that family and and so many others. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Emmy. It's a truly a pleasure to be with you. And uh, hey, if there's a next time, I'm looking forward to it.
2: There we go. You said it, Father. You said it. Love that. You heard it awesome.
0: here. <laughs> awesome. And blessings, uh, blessings to your listeners as well. And yeah, keep up the great work.
1: Thank you. Mm. Yeah. And would you be able to close us out with a prayer?
0: Sure. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you thanks this day for our lives, for our loved ones, all the many blessings that you've given us. Lord, even in the challenging times, we count our blessings. And we look at these opportunities to prayerfully come closer to you and to help extend your love and mercy in the world. Lord Jesus, we love you. Help us to follow you. Help us to refresh our trust in you. We implore the intercession of our Blessed Mother. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray pray for for us. us. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down upon you and upon all your loved ones, and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 Go in peace. Thanks be to God. (laughs) I was like, do I say that?
2: Is this Mass? (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Thank you for listening to A Pondering Heart Podcast. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Pondering Heart Podcast. Join us next time as we continue on our journey to sainthood.